We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a mini-series I am doing called A Personal History of Silicon Valley Recessions. This is a five-part mini-series on what it was like to go through two, and unfortunately now starting three, recessions in Silicon Valley. This is part three, titled The Great Recession, and it's about the lead-up and bursting of the housing bubble that also burst the always sunny and startup land Silicon Valley back in the 2008 time frame. If you're just tuning in, I'd highly recommend listening to part one and part two so you get the full Monty, so to speak, of this whole series. Ah, 2006. Seems like just yesterday. Money was cheap-ish, not as cheap as recently. In fact, interest rates had been steadily increasing since 2004 after a fall from 2000 to spur the recovery, right? At the end of 2007, interest rates were approximately 4.4% and dropping to bottom out eventually at 0.1% at the end of 2009. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Really, the spark that torched the economy this time happened in late 2006. The run-up to the subprime mortgage crisis was the free-flowing of loans to borrowers who could not afford them. This was compounded by banks creating something called mortgage-backed securities, or MBS, that would bundle all these subprime loans into security that would be traded. On top of that, the banks felt safe because they also bought insurance against those loans and those securities and everything in the form of something called a credit default swap. I know this is all pretty complex, and frankly, no one really understood any of this except for a few people who tried to sound the alarm. The movie The Big Short, based on the Michael Lewis book, does an excellent job explaining this. It's worth the watch, but for now... Let me sum up what happened. 
Banks relied too much on these mortgage-backed securities, specifically in the form of derivatives against said MBSs, right? Derivatives are complex financial instruments like credit default swaps that let you protect against risk and leverage more of your money. What the banks did to continue the ever-increasing profit of these mortgage-backed securities, right, was to keep selling subprime or bad mortgages so they could keep the supply of these derivatives flowing. When those subprime mortgages started to default, usually because of an increase in interest rates, right, these were a fixed interest rate for a while, and then three, five years later, the interest rates would kick up, and funnily enough, right, the Fed was raising rates, right? then the underlying value of this MBS would, f- would fall, right? In a normal market, folks expect people to default on their mortgages. But when construction slowed in late 2006, due to high interest rates and you know lower demand, home prices started to fall in 2007. So these defaults accelerated, right? So if you know, if you've got a loan and it's, it's, you know, more than what your home is worth, it's like not worth paying it, right? This created a perfect storm of what exactly are these MBS and derivatives worth? Boom, right? The mortgage sector crashed, the banking sector crashed, and the economy rapidly fell into an official recession in July of 2008. What this meant for Silicon Valley was that all that free-flowing capital that folks were making off whatever, right, MBS, the whatever, among other things, right, it all dried up. No more investments. Sequoia Capital has this famous presentation, which is a link in the, in the show notes, which made the rounds that said it best on the first slide. RIP good times embossed on a, in red on a tombstone. This went around. Everyone saw this one, right? At the time all this happened, I was actually at a startup building antenna on chip RFID tags for the healthcare industry. Just about the time all this hit, we were running out of money and trying to raise around. <laughs> and let's just say it just did not go well. <clears throat> I even wrote a blog post about the general malaise I felt at the time. There's a link in the show notes. Like in the early 2000s, lots of friends were getting laid off and folks were struggling to figure out what to do. Eventually, the company I was at ran out of money and I had to jump to another startup in biotech, which had money and was crushing it. So I actually got lucky. But I mean, I sort of saw the writing on the wall. Like it was, it was getting, every day was getting bad, right? Still, the general malaise of what the whole time was yet another reminder, right, of the fragility of one's own work situation and really having the courage to pivot when you needed to. I mean, I really didn't want to quit this startup, but I mean, I, it just wasn't, wasn't going well, right? Thankfully, since I'd gone through the 2000 recession, I learned that lesson early, right? You need to understand what's going on, and then it's like figure out the right path for you, right? It was clear that things were going to get worse before they got better. And it was better to find a place to land and ride out the storm, which is exactly what I did. And the place I went to had lots of funding and was doing things in biotech, which biotech was on a tear then, even during the recession. And the transition to do that was a lot easier with a lot less stress and panic, knowing that I was ahead of the curve, right? As opposed to playing catch up like the last time. That was really challenging the first time, right? It's like, gosh, now what do I do, right? It's just crazy. So... If, again, you're in this sort of situation, uh, 
really important, and we'll talk more about this in the last section where I, you know, some things, some words of wisdom, right, from Crazy Uncle Jari. But again, like the things feeling right now feels like more like 2008, I think, than 2000. So again, we'll talk more about that. But thanks for listening to part three of A Personal History of Silicon Valley Recessions. This one was titled The Great Recession of 2008. Stay tuned for part four, which will bring us to the start of the pandemic. And some of the signs I saw that made my hair stand up on the back of my neck. Boy, and it did, right? Until next time, chin up, shoulders back, and keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.